books with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. This is a rare Tuesday night recording. Have we ever uh, done a Tuesday night recording? Well, for other things. I'm not sure that we've done one for funny books. Well, fair. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, because we have new comic book Tuesdays now, we have the opportunity to, uh, you know, read the, the, the hot new thing, which we did today, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, get together and talk about it. So that's what we're doing. We're getting together to talk about the hot new thing. And what is that hot new thing, Paul? It is the three Jokers. But don't get used to this Tuesday night recording nonsense. It doesn't because happen. It's all. hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Unlike DC, we don't want to make you wait for the three jokers. <laughs> well, because normally, right? I mean, Aaron knows this. We drink a lot during the weekend. A lot. And we have regrets. <laughs> so, so we're like, eh, you know what? I'm not going to drink much this week. But by Tuesday, it's back to drinking. That's right. Because <laughs> Monday, Monday sober Monday. Tuesday. It, it's, uh, it, Monday is dry out Monday. <laughs> dry out Monday. Tuesdays <laughs> start over Tuesday. That's right. Yeah, it's, you're reconsidering. You're gonna. Yeah, but 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 on Tuesday you're like I can I can drink in moderation. <laughs> exactly. But by three o'clock in the afternoon that is out the window. F moderation. You know, F it in the air. Deep in your cups. You 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 know you've got a shameful amount of recycling around you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, when when the recycling when the bag for the recycling clinks like clink clink clink. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know um, we're going to talk about some some big stuff here here in a minute. Some three uh, Joker. Some three <laughs> some some three Jokers <laughs> who are at war. Oh, um, but today I, I read online, and by the time you're listening to this, it's it's too late. Um, so the Mandalorian uh, season one is getting a vinyl soundtrack release. They're going to release a, a separate vinyl for each one of the episodes of the Mandalorian. And I'm, I'm looking at the article right now, and I'm rather excited about it, but I'm rather not excited about the price. Oh, really? How much is it? The season one eight LP box set from Mondo is limited to thirty five hundred units. Um, and is two hundred dollars. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, and, and I would have to buy something to play the vinyl on. So, <laughs> well, even so, more. I, I should probably should have prefaced that that I got a vinyl uh, player for Christmas. I don't know why. I just have been feeling the the want desire for some vinyl, and since then I've been plussing up my vinyl collection. I got the uh, Tim Burton, uh, Danny Elfman, Batman soundtracks. I got some some modern music, but mostly scores, things like that. Um, today, funny enough, I got a Mondo vinyl in the mail, which was the soundtrack to Back, in the F- Back to the Future. I thought that'd be fun, like a fun oh, listen. Yeah. Huey Lewis in the news and all that. Um, so when I saw this Mandalorian thing, I'm like, ooh, ooh, and then I got to the price, which is at the, you know, of course they say that for the bottom of the article, and I'm like, ugh. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. $200 is kind of rough. I mean, it's eight vinyls, but really, do you really care about anything other than the title song? I don't that know. Is, uh, that, is, uh, that is pretty steep. I, I, that, that, would, uh, that would exceed my level of love. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to make vinyl. that money back on an unboxing video. Just that <laughs> no. no, you are not. <laughs> no, yeah, but... I, I wouldn't buy that on DVD. Or on uh, CD even or digital download because I'm not much of a soundtrack 
that isn't like like you mentioned back to the future back to the future is a great one there's some really good songs on there and there is just music as well but i'm not much of a background sound you're person. not a score guy no not at all oh so you're like a crow soundtrack but not you're like a batman prince album but not like a oh, Batman yeah. Danny Elfman album. He's, he's oh, Batman yeah, I owned all that. That was a great, was a great see, CD. See, I, I am Mr. Movie Score Guy. I, that, those are my big playlists on my uh, on my iPod or, or uh, movie scores. I, I listen to them with a glass of whiskey when I'm relaxing. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, yeah. or while I'm reading, but I don't listen to them like during the day while I'm working my day job because you know the I, podcast doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, I, I, I listen my, to music with words typically. My only real exception to that is uh, I would do like John Williams scores. Oh well, yeah, John Williams is the exception to every rule, of course. <laughs> but yeah, so I, the, by the time you're listening to this, it goes on sale noon Central Time on Wednesday. This episode should be on your feed by then. Depends on how fast the RSS wants to update. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but check out Mondoshop.com just in case they still have them for sale. Our RSS feed has been our nemesis this week. <laughs> it really has. <laughs> uh, we're trying to get you the content quickly. We promise. It clearly just why we're podcasting on a Tuesday night. Uh, a couple big releases from DC to discuss this week. When we talked last, we talked about DC Fandom and had revealed that this Sunday, this past Sunday, August 23rd, DC released on digital Superman Man of Tomorrow, which is their yes. relaunch, reboot, whatever of the DC animated universe. DC and... was giving me a birthday gift that I had to pay for. <laughs> so Wayne, did how did you purchase yours? Or I bought is... it on Amazon. So I could watch it through Amazon Prime. So I bought mine through I, Apple TV. And the reason I did that is because I find that when I buy something through Apple TV or Movies Anywhere, um, I get access to the bonus features. Whereas if I buy through Amazon, Amazon doesn't have... does one of two things. It either doesn't have the bonus features or it tacks it on at the end of the feature-length movie. Um yeah, Voodoo uh, has what you're talking about, where you can access it through through a menu, uh, through the digital menu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's my preference. That um, yeah. you know, Apple TV did make an update recently, which I'm not a fan of. It becomes it became significantly more difficult to find your bonus features. Um, but I was still able to watch some bonus features. But I'm assuming if you bought it through Amazon, you weren't able to see the behind the scenes or whatever of that new Batman soul of the dragon movie yep got no bonus features Hmm. i do recommend picking up movies anywhere um if you have the option Mm -hmm. Uh, because it it's a free app um it is available on most whatever xbox ps4 voodoo whatever and it does offer the uh the in-app extra features if they're available yeah i didn't realize it wouldn't have the the bonus features when i got it through amazon Otherwise, I would have bought it through somewhere else. So, we won't talk about the bonus features, but what we will talk <laughs> about is Superman Man of Tomorrow, the new film uh, from DC Animated uh, Universe, starring Darren Chris as Superman, Zachary Quinto as Lex Luthor, Alexandra Daddario as Lois Lane, and a bunch of other people. <laughs> so, it, you know, this is a, a kind of a... It, it makes no acknowledgement of prior continuity um we get 
we don't really get the Superman origin, but we get kind of a Superman year one story. So Superman is coming into his own. He hasn't yet found his costume or his identity as Superman, but he's coming. He's already moved to Metropolis. Um, he's finding his way in the world. It's his first meeting with Lois yep. Lane. Um, he doesn't even know where he's from until during the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like a, a re-examining of that Superman year one Man of Steel, um, you know, John Byrne Man of Steel time frame. And so, Wayne, what did you think of Superman Man of Tomorrow? I absolutely loved it. Uh, it was basically everything that I've been looking for in a Superman cartoon. I think it would have been a really good like pilot for an, a new animated series. I enjoyed the... I thought the voice acting was really good. I loved the art. I like their take on Superman. I felt like it was back to the kind of the fun. And there's a lot of, you know, there's some dark stuff. There's some violence. There's a surprising amount of bare ass. But it was still fun and light and hopeful. And it really seemed like they nailed the character. And there were moments where there's damage happening. And I want to see Superman go save people from the damage happening in the battle. But I kind of get the impression that's something they're going to build in in future movies because they keep looking at things like that. We also got a Superman who's willing to try to talk down the villain. Yeah. I thought from uh, from the guest star standpoint, I had no idea Martian Manhunter was going to be in it. And he was a major character. You know, Lobo, I thought, was really good. Their version of Parasites, one I have never seen before, but I, I really enjoyed it. Like, appearance-wise, everything else about Parasite was normal Parasite. So, I gotta say, Parasite was one of my favorite aspects of the movie. Um, you know, I appreciate that they had a backstory. We we know the backstory of Parasite, but I appreciate that he was a, a tragic character um, and what they did with him. And so, I actually really liked that. I thought the representation of Superman was excellent in the movie. Lex Luthor, as well. Um, in fact, you know, your, your Lex Luthor, Superman, uh, Lois Lane characterizations were all spot on lobo you know i struggle with lobo i thought he was i I like lobo as a product of his time seeing him so heavily incorporated into the superman origin story was a bit different than i'm used to um but i I will say overall superman man of tomorrow was it still has some flaws uh, but overall, I thought it was a really good uh, jumpstart. The animation style, though Metropolis is, for a major metropolitan city, very, very sparsely populated. Um, other than that, I will say the animation, especially on the action sequences, was fantastic. Um, yeah, Metropolis was really weird on how it was designed. You've got these big buildings here and there, but there's just so much like nature and rings of buildings and it doesn't seem like it's it's definitely not new york that's for sure it kind of reminded me of the superman animated series metropolis the building you know the art deco style was very similar there um some more modern touches obviously you know people with cell phones and and facetiming and things like that but um you know for me i really loved lois lane she was yeah she's a younger character here because they're all younger but you kind of see how she's getting into her career and she's doing it by trying to make a name for herself. And, you know, really she's kind of that in your face character, but she wasn't bitchy. 
like a lot yeah. of the Loises tend to be. Yeah, I think, um, and the actress, Alexandra Daddario, who I'm a fan of. She's been in a bunch of movies that I've seen, and she's adorable. Um, I am not familiar with her. I, she... I feel like this is a name you made up. No. <laughs> um, if you have seen the first season of True Detective, or the San Andreas movie with The Rock, or mm-hmm. um, Texas Chainsaw. I've seen both of those. So she plays The Rock's daughter in um, San Andreas, oh, okay. and she was also the uh, the lady who banged Woody Harrelson in the first e- first episode of uh, True Detective, and that's the okay. only episode I've seen, so that, that's all. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she did other things, but in the first uh-huh. episode, she was naked. Um, you know, there were a lot of little things I really appreciated. I didn't realize how much I missed having, you know, Ma Kent make the costume. Yeah. yeah. That's something we didn't have in the New 52, it's something we haven't seen in a little while, and I never realized how much I liked that until we get it here again. Having Ma and Pa can't be there and so important, and that she creates the costume for him. And I thought they did a really good job of blending in the the conversations of, you don't have to go out there and do all of this without it making, without making it like he's should hide. Yeah. No, I thought they did a really good job with uh, Ma and Pa Ken. You know, it, it's funny because very often uh, in recent years we've seen an emphasis on Pa Kent. And though there was a little bit a little bit of Pa Kent in this movie, it really was more of a Superman's relationship with his mother. Um, you know, Ma, Ma Kent was much more of a prevalent character in this movie. And so I, I, I enjoyed that. I You know, and the, again, the... I think the story moved along at a solid clip. You know, there I were liked, parts where I was like, rem- eh, it's a little slow, a little talky, but... Yeah. Reminding me of the Superman animated series, I like how right in the beginning they're making references to Batman. I did like that. Yeah, instead of calling him, the, you know, that crazy guy in Gotham, or whatever they call them in the animated series, they make reference to, you know, his cape and things like that. But I like that they... They've already established that. Batman is out there. He's not the public figure that Superman is, but he's out there and he exists. Now, what would be interesting to me is I believe that the Batman movie that's coming up, the Soul of the Dragon movie, is in the 70s. Takes place in the 70s or whatever. So, I don't know when the next movie in this continuity is actually going to be released. Yeah, Um, because I'm assuming that the uh, death in the family is going to be its own separate thing. Yeah, that seemed like it. You know, and we talked about the um, two-part adaptation of The Long Halloween, which I've got to imagine it's its own thing. So are we still a year and a half, two years away from another movie in this continuity? Which would be a bummer, because I like... I would like to see this art style and this animation style apply to other members of the Justice League. Yeah, I really wish this was a pilot for a TV show. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to you watching it. Superman one. Yeah, I plan to watch it this weekend. I just didn't have a chance to yeah. uh, yet. But We're yeah, trying to keep this conversation this as spoiler-free as possible. Um, yep. You know, th- there, w- there were some moments where I was like, wow. I was not expecting that. And, was it the bare uh, ass? Because I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. There was there was a lot of bare ass in this movie. In this movie. But... Uh, no, it was not the bare ass. There were some character moments that was that really genuinely surprised me, and um, you know I'm looking forward to hearing what your thoughts on it are, Aaron, when you get yeah, a chance. To I really watch struggled it. with a what was the target audience for the movie, 
because it could have very easily been a you know for kids too but then they throw in some things like you know some of the violence some of the the language and specifically the bare ass makes it not a kids movie I agreed yeah I mean I think if if they had reduced some of the ass reduced some of the shits um <laughs> Little less ass, well, a little the, the less shit. Well, the shits and the ass, they go together, <laughs> they, Paul. They, they do. Go together. They do. Well, <laughs> if you took out some of that shit ass, um, you, you, I think you would have had a very family-friendly movie. And I do think that is a bit of a miss. So that is one negative thing I'll say about the movie, which is if you had made this a little bit more family-friendly, um, I think they could have marketed it to a much larger audience. But, you know, I mean, it's the choice they've made, and that's the current regime over there at DC Animated. Um, and they seem to be doing fine. They're pumping out four movies a year, three, four movies a year, and we're watching all of them, so... But I, the comic book we read this week had no bare ass. No bare ass, but was <laughs> certainly not family-friendly. Um, not. No. This week, the reason we're on the mics is really to discuss the three Jokers. Um, you know, the long, delayed... Um, I, I, I'm trying to figure out the way to, to preface this, um, which is that, you know, the three Jokers, the concept of the three Jokers was originally established way back in Jeff John's new 52 Justice League run. And so, you know, if, for anyone trying to keep track, we're a solid number of years into the rebirth era right now. Uh, in fact, we're about to near Batman issue 100 of, of DC Rebirth. And this happened before <laughs> Rebirth. In, in the pages of Justice League and Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok in the, the Dark Side War. And so, you know, it established that Batman sat on the Metron chair. Metron chair gave him all-knowing knowledge. He wanted to know the true identity of the Joker. And he found out at that moment that there are three Jokers. And, it very mu and that storyline carried into DC Rebirth number one a few years back. And is finally, after long delays, long writing arts you know production of the art and covid finally we have three jokers number one the first of three issues uh, pre prestige format issues for anyone who's reading it in physical and aaron since you didn't have you know a, a man of tomorrow contribution I'm, I, I'm i would like to hear your thoughts first on three jokers number one because you want to hear my melodious voice paul <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> yes it's almost bedtime yeah. I'm, 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 you know, you're like the sleep app. You want me to, you want me to lullaby you? Yes. Uh, there are a number of things that I found very striking about this book. Uh, but before I jump into that, let me say I also found something very frustrating about this book, which it, it exists at a very meta level in regards to the storytelling in that I'm in the middle of reading Joker War, and then I'm going to read Three Jokers. And I mean, I struggled in the first few moments of this book going, okay, Joker War has nothing to do with three Jokers. Agreed. It has nothing to do with three Jokers. Well, we're, where's where's uh, where's Nightwing in all this? Why aren't they talking about Nightwing? Oh, wait a minute. It doesn't have anything to do where's punch with line? three Jokers. Yeah. With, 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 yeah. I mean, it, I, I was really, it was hard to keep my Joker story straight, but mm -hmm. I did it. Um, so what I was struck by in the book. I feel like Jeff Johns has discovered himself a format over the course of doing uh, uh, Doomsday Clock. 
he is very much, and of course, you know, this involves his artist as well, uh, Jason Fabok, but he is very much aping the style of the original Watchmen in in this in this series it defaults to a nine panel format it is not always a nine panel format but it sure does default to that strong when it when it's not a nine panel it's still squares yeah yeah there's Um, no other shape to a panel other than a square well and And i I, want to just add a little correction here aaron and i you know you can smack me down later um you know because i noticed that too which is that mm-hmm. the you know it, it's very indicative of the Brian Bolland Dave Gibbons, um, uh-huh. you know era in that mid eighties because the the Killing Joke had a very similar um, nine panel sure. grid, and I think you know I think I think they are trying to ape that style. Which, and I'll shut up here in a second because I want you I, I asked for your thoughts, um, which for me was at first frustrating given how much Jason Fabok is so brilliant at splash pages mm-hmm. the nine panel grid i'm like ah oh, come on man let let his art breathe um but i, I got over it so go ahead. Well, well they have a splash page here there are a couple of them just not many yeah so i and i attribute it to his work on doomsday clock because that very much aped the format that was in the original watchman mm-hmm and Alan Moore worked on both The Killing Joke and Watchmen. So yeah. I mean, I, I, I and, and I get what you're saying, Paul, that it that you know it's sort of inheriting the design of Killing Joke, and that's the second thing that I was really struck by in this book because, you know, the the notion of threes re- repeats throughout the book. Uh, there are the three jokers, which is, you know, in the title of the book and, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you can't miss it, <laughs> but there are three stories that are fundamental to the, to the telling of this story. And one of them of course is the Batman origin story, but the other two I find very interesting. Uh, one is, uh, you know, Jason, uh, he was the Robin that was murdered by, uh, Joker in death in the family. Uh, and the other is the killing joke, which, you know, when Barbara Gordon was, you know, shot and assaulted by uh, the Joker, um, I find that that the the triptych that keeps repeating throughout the book and, you know, nine is three times three. I mean, I'm fascinated by how deliberate these choices are. Yeah. Um, there is the a, three people that are killed at yeah, one point. Yeah. There's three. It, it, yeah. It happens all through the book um and it just reminds you that jeff johns is a fucking genius i mean he is he is no amateur at telling stories and i i'm i was actually disappointed that there wasn't a script at the back of the book because i wanted to see what he was telling jason fabok i want to know how much of this was was jeff johns and how much of this was Jason Fabok? Because there are moments w- in the story where you know characters are remembering things, and the pencils change to the style of the artist that drew that original story. And it is like when uh, spoilers when Jason shoots the Joker. There is this beautiful panel where it it parallels Jason today versus Jason beat to death. 
you know, uh, there are there are just these wonderful moments in this book. I loved this book from beginning to end. I think this is a masterful piece of storytelling. Uh, I, I I am so excited to be reading this series and I'm fascinated about what's going on with the Jokers. Yeah. Uh, so, Aaron, I think the reason they didn't do a script, I have a feeling we're going to get a director's edition of it that has mm, that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a feeling there are things in the script that would give away plot points. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that, hey, remember this in the next issue. I'm sure the script comes in the uh, graphic in the in the bound graphic novel. You know, uh, that's that's my guess is that we get it in some sort of deluxe trade. But that I really I'm dying to see what he was telling Jason Fabok, because the this this story is brilliantly told visually, narratively, the whole schmear. And I am just completely down for it. Yeah. I'll say I came into this. It was a tough sell for me from a story standpoint. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of there being three jokers. So the very premise initially was not good for me. But there are stories that I've come into with a premise that I didn't like. Like, say, uh, Superior Spider-Man was a really stupid idea when you describe it to someone. Uh-huh. But it was written really well. And this is the case. another case of that, where I came in... Not really sure how I was going to feel about it because I don't like the idea of three jokers, but it is so well written and so well drawn and it hits all of the beats that I came away absolutely loving the book. And let me say one more thing about the comment that that Paul made earlier where he's like, you know, let Jason Fabok off the leash, let him breathe, right? Let him have a splash page. Um if you're reading this in guided view, because of the way this book is laid out, every panel is a splash page because it works so well within the framework of a tablet when you're reading this. And the, the detail is literally HD. I mean, the detail is off the charts. There is, there is magnificent storytelling going on in each and every single panel. Um, I, I gotta say I am, amazed at the depth of coloring the depth of of detail in each of these panels i understand why it might have taken jason fabok forever and a day to draw this 54 page graphic novel um it it is it is amazing and so often artists today don't draw for the digital audience because some of some of the way they break panels in a comic book do not translate well in a digital format if you're doing some kind of guided view. And I got to tell you, this worked beautifully in guided view. Yeah, the panels were one of my strong points about, you know, just about the book, specifically mm-hmm. because I read in guided view. Sometimes when you're reading books that don't have strict panel structures, you get things coming in from the corner. They don't yeah. always manage to line up the words right in the books. You don't get any of that with this. And you're right. This is art that you want to zoom in on. That yeah. It just does so well with guided view that it adds something to the book being in the panel format it's in. It's a good book. Paul, what do you think? So, you know, I. it's funny because I don't read my stuff in guided view. I know you guys do. But generally, I read it in the full page format to kind of replicate reading a comic. I jump back and forth, but I but I literally prefer guided view. So I loved 
this book. I absolutely love this book, and I'm so glad you guys did, because I was worried um, that you wouldn't, and we'd have like a debate or something um we'd have to stop our friendship yeah (laughs) because there are so many moments in this book first of all um i'm just going to describe some of my favorite moments which is you have a few pages of going over batman's greatest scars Mm -hmm. you know and you see bane you see riddler you see blah 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 and then then all of a sudden you revisit his origin and the way it's told you know you see the scar and then you see how it happened right you see the scar and you see killer croc biting him you see the scar and you see the scarecrow stabbing him or you see the scar and you see the joker shooting him and then you revisit the origin and then at the end of that you look in his eyes and it's because the scar is not physical it's in him yeah right yeah i I thought that was so so well done um you know well and and it starts with his eye then you get that and then it finishes mm -hmm. with his eye yeah and you know, to your point about the threes, I like the three back characters that have been chosen. Right, they're they mm-hmm. they are the ones that have been most traumatized by the Joker. And you know, when you, when you see the three Jokers, which first of all, there's a beautifully drawn car chase sequence um, by Jason Fabok that is so cinematic in its telling. Um, just really enjoyed it. But then you're introduced to the three Jokers, and when they introduced them, I'm like, well, there's really no mystery anymore. Right, essentially, one Joker creates two other Jokers by kidnapping people and dumping them in, you know, in in Ace Chemicals, and all of a sudden they become Jokers. And I thought, okay, mystery solved. But as the book goes on, you realize, okay, well, but now they're planning to create more Jokers, and why? And are these the Jokers? There, there's more to the mystery because the way these Jokers are drawn and the way they're dressed. You have kind of this mastermind Joker, who's kind of indicative of the original Joker, the one who has a war on, on you know, organized crime. Then you've got the, the criminal, jo- the criminal. Then you've got the Joker who killed, um, or Jason, Jason Todd, um, and I don't know what that, he was classified as. That one's the comedian. The comedian, and then you have the one who shot Barbara Gordon, and you know, I, what was that one called? The lunatic or something. Um, they even classify him. They do. I just don't remember what I'm trying to find the page. The clown. Yeah, and so you've got these three, right? And it's like, are those the three? Are they? Are there really three separate Jokers who have had such an impact on Batman's life? Um, and you know, there's there's and and they're drawn in such a style that it's like, okay, well. I didn't realize these were three separate characters. And well, obviously, there's two more issues. I'm trying to examine the whole mystery in the first issue. Um, but my favorite sequence was with Gaggy. Um, you know, the, the court jester who appeared in The Killing Joke, right? Um, you know, as, as kind he of. He never the, uses Gaggy anymore. Yeah, he never uses Gaggy anymore. But then Gaggy gets eaten by a Joker, Jokerized shark. And that page. I. I that was a holy shit moment for me. I was like, you know it's coming. You can't have a Jokerized shark and not expect something to happen, but the way in which it was drawn and what actually happened, and and the book is very violent. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. One of my big surprises was I expected the Jokers to not know about each other and for them to be, you know, at each other's throats, basically, and that is not at all the case. 
at least in this book, these three are working together on a plot right now. Right? Yeah. Well, I got to say, I, my favorite part in the book is the scene with Jason and Barbara and uh, the comedian, mm-hmm. you know, Joker, uh, where Joker goads Jason into killing him. I yeah. mean, it is. And I wasn't it expecting it. So I will well, say, yeah. you know, I wasn't expecting Jason shot the Joker in the head. Or this well, Joker in the head, and it's it's not just that Jason did it, right? I mean, and because the whole time I'm like, well, why the fuck wouldn't Jason shoot him? Yeah, you know, because I mean, the guy killed him or almost killed him. Why in the world wouldn't you shoot him? I I would have no problem at all about that. No, no, I'm not a crime fighter either, but I would not have a problem with that. I think most people wouldn't, <laughs> uh, you know, too, that, that's Batman's too bad as far as I'm concerned. But the fact that Barbara tried to intervene and she throws her batarang and misses and J- you know, and she, she's you know chewing Jason out about it and horrified by it. And Jason said, Barbara, when was the last time you missed that landed that yeah. absolutely landed. It landed on the on the character, you know, Barbara, but it also landed on me because you know she's thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Kill that son of a bitch. After what he did to me, after what he did to my father, after after the countless people that he has murdered, fuck that guy. Yeah. Well, in the moment where Jason where the Joker says um yeah, where he's recalling that yeah. Jason, when he was beating him to a pulp, was saying, "If you, if you, you know, he's re, he's recounting what Jason said. Jason's last words: "If you let me live, I'll do anything for you. I'll be your Robin." Oh, and it's awful, wasn't yeah. it? Wasn't yeah. that just the most awful thing you'd ever heard? Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, and and then and especially the close up on his eye, right? Like, "I'll be your uh-huh. Robin," and then he says, "And look at you, shooting up people, making Batman's life miserable. You are my Robin," and you see the te- the tears streamed yeah. down Jason's face and the recollection to your point about yep. you know the Mike Mignola style art of the uh-huh. cover where Jason died um you know just the 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 art everything about that scene was it I was tense I was Same here. I was tense Same reading here. it I was like he's going to shoot him he's genuinely going to shoot him and then he does well, and I was just like, as I'm reading, I'm like, he's going to shoot. He's going to shoot at him, right? That Barbara was going to intercede, but there was no choice. He had to shoot him. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of storytelling, you know, you can't put Jason in this situation where we know who Jason is, right? You can't put him in this situation and then Joker not get shot. I mean, I think the the heroic thing is that it had taken this long for Jason to shoot him. Yeah, you know. Uh, but that the scene, the fallout from it is where the drama is, where he tells Barbara, when was the last time you missed? Yeah, oh, my that, God. That oh was chilling. Yeah. And he oh calls her God. on that you wanted this to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. it makes her at just as complicit as the guy who pulled the trigger. And that's why she tells Jason at the end of that, screw you. I, I This book is magnificent, Paul. It really is. It really is. I mean, as much as I enjoyed Doomsday Clock, I did not love Doomsday Clock near as much as I love this book. And I am hopeful, you know, the fact that this is so condensed into three issues, 
Uh-huh. And it's going to be released monthly because all the issues have already been completed. I cannot wait to see how this yeah. story ends. It's super good. It's yeah, super I'm, good. I feel like we should have said at the beginning of this discussion, spoilers. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to make a prediction good. now. Only one Joker's making it out of this alive. Or are, are hundreds of Jokers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah, I'm, 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 I've been wondering the same. Like, are we going to get more Jokers out of this? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. There's so much there. It could really go anyway. And the fact that this book surprised all of us and, you know, it, it took my breath away. I, yeah. I can't, I mean, I, I was, I knew it was going to be good. I mean, you've got Jason Fabok and Jeff Johns on it and they are both at the top of their freaking games, mm-hmm. but who knew, who knew that they were going to write a classic. And that's what this is. This is a book I'm going to read again. This is a book I'm going to read again this week. Yeah. That's how good this is. I, and you know, I predict it'll be ju- the second issues two and three will be just as good, and I hope that's the case. Me too. You know, I you know now I'm like now I'm like stressed. Well, I will say if there's one thing, <laughs> other than other than I think I think we were disappointed in the end of Blackest Night. Um, but if there's one thing that Jeff Fabe or that Jason uh, Jeff Johns, <laughs> Jason Johns, Jason Johns, Jeff Fabok, if there's one thing that Jeff Johns can do is dude can stick a landing. Yes. Um, you know, for the you, most part, that's true. Yeah, I, I think there's you know whether it's Infinite Crisis, Sinestro Core War, Green Lantern Rebirth, you know DC Rebirth, um, Doomsday Clock. Even if they're even if he stumbles along the way, he always sticks the landing, except for Blackest Night. So I'm hopeful that we'll get a strong ending out of this one. Yeah, yeah and I think this one being more limited, like it's supposed to be what three issues? Yeah, I think that helps. I think when he does struggle in the middle, it's because the story's been stretched on too long. Agreed. I think a smaller, more well, concise was, story is more his wheelhouse. That was certainly the problem with Blackest Night, is mm-hmm. that it just went on too long. But man, this is this is this is sweet. Uh, I, 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 there was a a page, and it's right around page thirty-two, where it cuts to the three Jokers on the same panel all at one time. You know, the big reveal of that. I'm yeah. like, oh, we're at the end of the book, and no, there's twenty more pages. Book is awesome. another moment that jumped out for me is i love some of these like back and forth between the characters jason's comment about how every batmobile he's ever been in the passenger seat is too small Uh and it's like you really don't want anyone sitting there and batman tells him he's projecting yeah (laughs) i kind of think that he's i think he's dead on oh yeah oh yeah well, we could we could talk about this comic all night long, which is why we only talked about one book this week. But now we want to know what you think. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on our social media channels, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Excellent. Well, we will uh, do it all over again next week, guys. Not with this book, but with another book. You never know. We may talk about this book more. You never know. Yeah, we could still be talking about it. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll get us mid-conversation about yeah. it. <laughs> See you, guys. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. 
Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyofMadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.